Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Marcus. Yeah? Uh Marcus, my friend, my friend. Yes. Come. Come sit down, have some garbage cool. Thank you. Hmm. You like it? Yes, it suits you. Does it suit you well? It's one of my favorites. I love it. It's a job I'd like you to do for me, Marcus. So sweet, Marcus. Oh, good boy. Good lean boy. Thank you. You're going to show me your belly a little bit, huh? No, I don't think that's good. (laughs) No, no, just do it. Show me your belly a little bit. Well, you don't have to actually do it. It's audio. Look at the little happy trail. You got a couple of rabbits in there. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Tell me, Marcus. Yeah. What if I were to give you all the in brew you could drink? Oh my! All the vape juice iron brew. you could suckle upon. Would that possibly be an offer you can't refuse? Yes. Here, have sex with my 300-pound grandmother. All right, my God. <laughs> Somebody's got to. Cast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with uh, the recently abused Marcus Parks. <laughs> Hello. We got Henry Zabrowski. Never molest. Kids and women are off limits. Uh, well, I have morals. I'm in the mafia. <laughs> That's great. You know an offer I can't refuse? Unlimited breadsticks, unlimited salad, the Olive Garden. That's the only offer I can't refuse. How okay. many breadsticks What's up? can they serve you before they have to cut you off? Do you know? Before we get to Richard Kuklinski part two, I will tell a little story about Fazoli's, uh, which is a small pizza chain. I think it's mostly in the Midwest. Horrible pizza. They um, get it in Texas, too. Amazing breadsticks. They are just, they're just caked in butter. And I got cut off after 15. All right, so... They really they had to escort me out because you have to buy pizza within a fifteen minute time period, uh-huh. and then it's so. Then after that, they did put a time limit on it. That's the Ben Kissel rule. Fifteen bread sixes is a Kissel's dozen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into Richard Kuklinski part two. So when we last left Richard Kuklinski, he was just about to meet his long suffering wife. Barbara. Jesus. Now, we've used the term long-suffering in the past to describe the significant others of killers, but Barbara may have gotten the rawest deal of all. See, most of the time, 
Outside of killer couples, the significant others of serial killers tend to be completely shielded from the activities of their husbands. That's and the with good reason. Yeah. Being a serial killer requires intense compartmentalization, and if the secret spills out into their actual life in any way, they're fucked. Right. Also, it's a part of their sexual game. Yes. Which we kind of discover, which we will talk about quite a bit in the in the book that we're writing, mm-hmm. which is a lot of that. The idea of there is a heightened game between keeping the two things separate. But now in Kuklinski's case, right, it's not a sexual thing, though. No. This is just a, it's, it's it's a lust for blood. It's business, <laughs> Kissel. What's that? It's got to be separated because it's business. Ah. The mafia is a serious business, Kissel. So the mafia, the business equals the sex in mafia murders. Yes. I get it. Well, Barbara Kuklinski, as far as the significant others went, was an unfortunate exception. She wasn't involved in the killing per se, but she bore the brunt of Richard's violent tendencies. Mm. And the two met one day at the soda machine at the trucking company where they both worked. Oh, they both hit the Diet Coke button at the same time. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Honestly, it's a little bit of a meet cute in terms of it's Richard. Richie was trying to go legit. He had uh, his side piece, Linda, who was not his side piece. It was his wife with his yeah. two kids. <laughs> he was trying to bring money back home. He was trying not to do contract killing anymore. He's sitting at the. He, he goes to start working at a, 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 a. It was a trucking yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his Swift line trucking his company. only job was to lift boxes. Right. You know right. I mean? So he had a. He had a. Every day he'd go and it's just be like, you box, you box, and you challenge me. <laughs> Tell me I can't lift you box. I'm like, yeah. Richie, what are you doing? You talking to the boxes again? <laughs> Don't tell me I can't talk to boxes. Right. Like that box is smiling at me and be like, that's the Amazon box. It's a logo. It's not smiling at you. I promise you. But he went out there and he saw Barbara. At the time, Barbara had hair piled two feet high on top of her head, which was the custom at the time. Like Marge Simpson. mm -hmm. Yes. And they saw each other and he basically just said, hello. (laughs) And she was like, oh, a man. Like a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, they right. pretty much just exchanged pleasantries. Like, hey, yeah. how you doing? Oh, you work down at the docks? Great. I work over in the receptionist pool. I feel like Kuklinski has breath that's like really hot, but at the same time when you're done speaking to him, your hair is still frozen. And I <laughs> yes. don't know why that, like, it's a strange irony, I guess, or contradiction. He's reverse Superman. <laughs> My lungs are freezing. <laughs> Well, I mean, the relationship might have ended at just the pleasantries, Mm -hmm. if not for the meddling of their boss. See, he'd taken a shine to Barbara because she kind of looked like his daughter, and he knew all about Richard's checkered past as a criminal. So, the boss called Kuklinski into his office and told him, you stay away from Barbara. Can we just get into the, can we just get into the 10, ten second time machine really quick? The boss wanted to bang his daughter <laughs> no! so he found a woman. No, oh, he, he looks he like he felt he felt a, he felt warm feelings or protective feelings. Oh, protective. Fatherly oh, feelings. That was a little yes. vague. That was a little <laughs> vague right there. This was back in the day when daughters were separated into a category they were meant to be coddled and hired. <laughs> and that you had your gavons, so whatever it was, the mistress on the side, were the ones that could blow you because they don't have to kiss your children with their mouth. Uh, I see. Well, the thing was is that Richard hadn't even thought about pursuing Barbara romantically before this conversation. Uh, but now he had some asshole telling him he couldn't do something that he felt he had every right to do should he choose to do it. So he did this out of spite. He <laughs> Honestly, literally went to go and... and 
He went and flirted with her because the boss told him not to, which right. I sort of get in a twisted sister yeah. kind of way. Why didn't anyone just be like, I bet you you couldn't play Russian roulette. I bet you you would not do it. And be like, I'll do it. I'll do it right now. I bet you couldn't I bet you couldn't become the first Polish power forward in the NBA. <laughs> That's it. Oh, back then he might have been drafted. Who knows? So Richard told his boss to shove the job up his ass. Oh. And Richard walked out and he said that he had planned to return later that night to kill the guy. Mm. But when he returned, he ran into Barbara instead. Oh. Again at the soda machines. Okay. She loved soda. And Barbara was a very good, petite, well put together young Italian woman that was sitting there and she was very like I'm not gonna say born mobster's wife, but like maybe a little man. Where she right. kinda had the look. She kinda looked like um Lorraine Bracco. Oh, okay. So he basically had his eyes like that Instagram filters, the super zoom with the dramatic music, but instead of like, you know, really some a nice sound, it's just a bunch of gunshots and the sounds of people get being stabbed. It's cute. So Richard told Barbara about him losing his job on account of talking to her, Ugh. and because she felt sorry for him, they went out on a coffee date instead of Richard murdering his boss at his former place of employment. <laughs> She later remarked that going out on that date was the worst mistake she uh. ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee went well enough for a follow-up, and that Saturday, the two of them went to see Godzilla and a couple of Casper cartoons. Okay. I like cartoons. <laughs> I like cartoons, too, because sometimes they give me funny ideas <laughs> and things to do, like how you can make a little boy a funny little ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Just your hands. Yeah, it must oh, have been. Oh, that's funny. You're funny. <laughs> it must have been weird while he was taking notes the entire time on their date while watching Casper. God, he loved cartoons. He Popeye, really... he said he took a lot of ideas from Popeye, too. Okay. All right. He does realize he's Bluto, right? <laughs> like, he is the enemy. You don't even want to get him around a can of spinach. No. <laughs> He'll kill your fucking family if he has a little bit too much iron in his system. <laughs> Woo. And from that moment on, after the Godzilla Casper double feature, Richard was smitten. Problem was, though, Richard was still married, hmm. even though he no longer had anything to do with his first wife or his two kids due to an earlier incident, which may or may not have happened. Can we say, though, Godzilla and Casper's a double feature is like, Double feature, it's Saw, followed by Won't You Be My Neighbor. Like, <laughs> no, isn't that no, a no. bit of, like, a, an extreme, like, horror, and then a, a friendly ghost? Godzilla was fun. Godzilla yeah. was men okay. wrestling each other in well, plastic costumes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, some months before, Richard had caught his first wife in a motel room with a friend of his. In retaliation, Richard said he broke as many of his friend's bones as he could, Jeez. and then, right there in the room, Cut his first wife's nipples off. Oh, and we don't know if this is true or not, which is what we're going to say again and again about Richard Kuklinski about what's true and what's not true. But there's something about like why make this bullshit up besides just trying to be as mean as humanly possible, which he also was. Right. So it's like a kind of a combo of even just saying that you did this kind of makes you fucked up. Yeah, and right. it, whatever happens is that he he did this and then met Barbara and then. He started dogging Barbara. So they went out on that date, and then she essentially just, like, while they were hanging out, she was like, oh, I like Casper. Which is strange, honestly, to be to be a Casper fan. Right. I, I don't know what I that means know. about I, I love Casper myself. I don't think the movies have been very good, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we won't get into that. 
you're specifically a fan of Casper. I mean, I will watch a Casper cartoon if it's on, and I see Casper the Friendly Ghost, and it puts a smile on my face. So I you and so. Carolina live an extended cosplay version of the movie Paris, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun world. Fun world. It is a fun world. Yeah. But so what happened is the next day after they broke up. So again, she kind of offhandedly said, "I like Casper." He just shows up at her house. Right, mm. because he dropped her off, and he showed up with a dozen roses and a bunch of Casper dolls. Right, these little Casper dolls. Okay. She's like, "Thanks, Richard, but number one, didn't really invite you." And the mother, of course, because Barbara's one level of of Italian snark, and her mother is grade A Italian snark, right. who's just like, "I don't like this Richard boy. I don't like him bringing it around." And first of all. He's Polish, oh. which we're going to see a lot of anti-Polish sentiment in this entire story. Which I don't I'm know if it's anti-Polish by. as much as it is pro-Italian. <laughs> no, how did it? Uh, well, he, he that's could, one way yeah, to put I mean, it. He could have been. He could have been from Yugoslavia, and they still would have said like he's not Italian. He's not Italian. This is really a big story for you, as, as you feel like an oppressed person. Do you feel <laughs> as you've been going through this, like you kind of relate to Kuklinski in some ways? We should be the protected. We we should be a protected class mm-hmm. of people because of the skirts for pants and the many <laughs> braided hats we wear. Those need to be kept in a museum so people can see our majesty for years to come. Okay, but but the thing is, he became very frightening immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know whether the nipple incident had actually happened or not, there was no contact between Richard's first family and Richard uh, since him and Barbara had started dating. Okay, but the thing was that Richard. You know, if the nipple incident happened, he wasn't upset because he loved his wife. He was upset because he owned her, because that was his woman. He said he had no feelings towards this woman or their kids whatsoever. Okay. In fact, he thought of this woman like he thought of every other woman, including his mother, that they were all just whores who did nothing but sleep around with every Tom, Dick, and Harry at the pool hall. What did he? What was the nickname that he gave for his mother? Oh, Cancer. Cancer. Yeah. Cancer. Well, part of it was, apparently, he says as a kid, after his parents separated, he came home and found his mom legs up in the air with the neighbor who was married. And that was burned into his eyes, which just shows the emotional strength of Richard Kuklinski. Because I think if I saw my mother uh, in that position, I would never speak again. I would be like a little boy from Scrooge, where they'd always be like, he used to talk a lot, but now he talks even just a little. And it's just me just sitting alone with with a page boy hat on in an insane asylum. Yeah, it's never good when you walk in on your mother and it looks like the cover of Don't Tell Mama the Babysitter's Dead. I think that's the name of the movie. Well, Barbara, she was something else altogether in Richard's eyes. She'd lived a nice, sheltered life and didn't know a goddamn thing about the world of pool halls and crime and murder that Richard had come from. Interesting. It's kind of like a reverse situation of Dead Alive. It is. Yes. Yes. But in the world, I mean, honestly, Kuklinski spent so many time with scoozes and floozies. <laughs> scoozes? He was so nice. <laughs> he just knew what's that this no, was the time. What, what's a scooze? A scooze is a, is a woman whose butt has been flattened by a stool. <laughs> Where did you hear scooze? I don't know. You just make it up. Because the Iceman Confessions has so many words for, for, for you know, all of the type of wit bar women. Which is right. also what my father said. 
My father used to say, I used to spend my time with bar women until I met your mother. But the thing is that he uh, kept going to the bar. Like, he met my mom right, that right. was his bar, bro, but then he kept going to the bar. And that was the whole idea of living this, quote-unquote, innocent life. You've got this woman who doesn't know anything about what it means to play billiards. But the thing is, Kuklinski, you liked billiards. Shouldn't you find a woman that also played billiards so you could do something together besides just fucking kill people and throw money at her and smack her around? Yeah, well, I guess he wanted to be alone sometimes. Maybe the bar was his solitude, I suppose. <sighs> I suppose so. Who knows? Well, the thing is, is like, even if you don't believe that Richard killed dozens of homeless men up and down Manhattan, and there are quite a few people out there who don't, Richard was still a ruthless criminal capable of burning a stranger alive because he called him a bad name. Right. Yes. Uh, Barbara would say that she never knew about Richard's most nefarious criminal goings-on until they were both dragged out of their car by ATF agents one gray December morn. Oh. She did admit to having some inkling at the beginning, though, as her Aunt Sadie had gotten a bad feeling about this non-Italian named Richard. Yeah, (laughs) non-Italian. That's what it's about. That's the problem. Yeah, and Aunt Sadie had hired a private eye to look into his background. So here's the thing, okay? You get up with this Italian. She's with Barbara, who is traditionally Italian, which means what? Suspicious. (laughs) Filled with witchery and uh, Uh. all sorts of, like, they have inner workings, inner minds, because I know, because my mother's half Italian. So they have this, so she went went out, out of her way to get a private detective to look into Richie's life. And all the private detective was like, this guy's a fucking maniac. Yeah, I do yeah. believe that he killed all those homeless people. That's like one of the stories that I do full on believe that he was a fucking, he's actually a, I, I'm now flipped to the other side where he is mostly a serial killer. Yeah, yeah I, that's what it seems like to me. But I wouldn't call him Richie, though. It sounds like he has a bottle cap hat on. Richie. He's ready to go down for the hamburger <laughs> competition over at the local hamburger stand. <laughs> And so Barbara knew about most of Richard's crimes because the private eye came back, told Aunt Sadie, and Aunt Sadie told Barbara. Knew about the robberies and even knew about the rumors of murder. And I just asked, though, the private eye, like, at any point was he like, maybe I should call the police or step in? Or is he just like, I just watch? (laughs) I mean, don't like, if you're watching the robbery, don't you alert someone? No, no, no. No. It wasn't during the robbery. This was after the robberies because the private eye had just gone around like, he talked to some people. Oh, he just talked to folks. Okay, I see. Yeah, and as far as the robberies went, Barbara convinced herself that all that was in Richard's past. Oh, Oh, of course. Definitely. One thing is certain. People change. Uh-huh. <laughs> Always. They never just stay the same. They never repeat the same crimes again and again. It doesn't take, you know, months and years of effort to make a uh, a, a new <clears throat> mentality for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And concerning the murders, she said they probably deserved it. Pretty soon, Barbara would come to find out that Richard Kuklinski was a very, very dangerous man to anyone in his proximity, whether he loved him or not. Yeah. yeah. What what was the first warning sign? Uh, well, we're about to get into that. <laughs> you know, so Barbara, she'd come to find out that there were two men. The bad Richard, who would blacken her eyes on a regular basis, and the good Richard, who would request that restaurants play the Kenny Rogers song Lady upon Barbara's entrance into a building. Lady, <laughs> you're my knight and forced to dinner with me always, cause I have a knife in my pocket forevermore. Uh, must be the extended version of that song. I, I don't recall those lyrics. But this is also my father's way of, this is back in the day. Yeah. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, uh, what's the term, court, 
a woman that was not a bar woman. What you had to do was flowers all the time, constant Casper gifts. You show up at her work where she doesn't know that you know that where her work is. You show up at all these different places where essentially you haunt her, and right. eventually she just becomes your wife because you won't let her not be your wife. Stalking. You stalk until you marry. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And the worst thing was, Richard made it apparent from the beginning that there was no way out. Because he had been stalking her, and he had mm. been showing up all the time, and they were going out constantly. So she told him, like, hey, this is getting a little intense. Like, I I still want to see other people. And so in response to that, they were in his car. He pulled out a knife, lightly stabbed her in the back with it, and told her she was his no matter what. And if she ever tried to leave him or go to the cops, he'd kill not only her, but her entire family and anyone who ever meant anything to her. They're building and building and building and building and building and then you pop the Polish yeah. way every single time. But no, it was very, it's very scary because they all knew eventually that he was a fucking, he was a maniac. Mm -hmm. He, uh, they, the, the family would just do a lot of stuff because she would invite him out. The big thing was that she inv he invited him to, to Christmas Eve dinner. Which in Italian families is a really big deal. They have the seven fishes. You do oh, all yeah. the gifts at midnight. And Richard came and he to the to the dinner, and he's like he didn't understand laughter and love. He didn't yeah. understand like like he didn't understand like families enjoying each other. Mm -hmm. So he's watching all these people eat stuff and like huge stuff like yeah, I'd murder somebody to get some of this fish again. And they're all like <laughs> laughing about it, like oh you're funny, Richie, you know, like but very uneasy because um he was carrying three guns. Right. Yeah. So he's not a humorist. No, actually, no. they said he was very funny. He was very yeah, funny. They, they said he was like a lot of that's part of the reason why Barbara's family liked him, because he was a very funny guy. And a lot of people uh, that uh, worked with him, like they really? were like, yeah, he's he's a funny dude. Uh, and he said that like he was the concept of a nice family dinner, like a nice Christmas was so foreign to him <clears throat> and seemingly so impossible sure. that he had to leave dinner and he went out on the back porch and sobbed uncontrollably because <laughs> his. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to kind of see how he cries a little bit, but so the fact that he he didn't oh just watch the you haven't seen the the end of the first Iceman documentary. Oh, I'm not gonna make it through this one. I don't. I don't recall. So <laughs> he had one big tear came out, and he's like, well, "That's the most moisture I've ever had that didn't come out of my dick." It seems like he cries on the inside. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. He does. Well, you know what? You remember when he made his joke on the documentary? Yeah, he had one joke where he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah it was with the uh, Barbara and." Uh, yeah, and he told the stories. He's gonna put the knife in the back to make sure that she knows in there. And she's like, "Then the psychiatrist like." Yeah, that does sound pretty extreme. And he's like, yeah, but uh, she got the point. Hung and set, hung for seconds. <laughs> I love it. And then he's like, you see, see how it's funny. See how I, uh, I threw a joke in there. Right. It's funny yeah. for you. And they're all like, ha, 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 ha. You know there was one cop in the back room looking through the, uh, the glass mirror, just spit out his coffee and just died laughing. <laughs> just loved it. Well, eventually, Barbara got pregnant. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't stand the thought of marrying him, naturally. So she called his bluff and took off to her dad's place in Miami Beach. And that call was correct because all Richard did was haunt Barbara's mom's house, ask him where she went. And Barbara had told her mom, 
Do not, under any circumstances, tell him where I am. Right. Now, Richard, he'd been upfront about still being married to both Barbara and the family, but he said that he'd never gone through with a divorce because he didn't have the money. So Barbara's mother, worried about, quote, what people would think hmm. should her daughter be a single mother, this woman gave Richard the money for the divorce Uh-oh. as well as her daughter's location in Good Florida. Good Lord. And oh, they knew, yikes. She knew that this guy was beating his daughter. She knew how awful of a person he was, but all because the neighbors might think something uh. poorly, she turned her daughter over to this monster. 1950s? Yeah. Weird yes. time. I'm going to say weird time. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> this may have been the 60s by this point. Oh, my Yeah, maybe yeah, early, early 60s. So she rather her daughter with a serial killer or abuser than being with a person who is not divorced from mm-hmm. his wife. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, she can't be a single mother. That right. would be, what a travesty on the family that would be. What, mm. a, what a disgusting disgusting thing well you know what you know what's really nice about it kids eat free uh, <laughs> at most at most olive gardens and also they don't know if you take from the kids plate so technically you could eat free too hey, it's like i'm a kid at heart huh look at me i'm pissing <laughs> in my pants i'm throwing a tantrum come on guy you are hammered sir yep <laughs> well barbara said that the day richard showed up in miami a storm followed uh-oh Having no real choice at that point, Barbara convinced herself that the time that they'd spent apart had changed Richard, and so she let him back into her life. No. And he did change for a short period. No crime, no murder, no gambling, no violence whatsoever. None of the things you're supposed to do ever, (laughs) other than gambling you're allowed to gamble. (laughs) It's building and building building. Good lord So finally after a few months Richard convinced Barbara to marry him At a justice of the peace Hmm. But soon after The abuse started back up And she lost the baby Oh no And another And another They lost three babies They lost three babies Because of Richard's abuse He once beat her so hard The baby's leg came out oh like God. she gave had a partial birth and still it was like well time to try again oh my god because she said he was an insatiable lover and of course never used condoms so he was just like you would go right back at it they would immediately have another kid be get pregnant again and I mean, honestly this is a part of where the Iceman movie was like so disgusting yeah when you really right. look at the the compartmentalize it like the way they looked at his relationship with Barbara and like just because he didn't fucking murder her yeah you're saying that they were fine well the fourth child would finally make it to term and in all they'd have three kids Merrick Chris and Dwayne two girls and a boy okay and pretty much the only kind of sort of good thing you can say about Richard Kuklinski was that he never laid a hand on his kids he beat sure. their mother in front of them and was so vicious to her that all the kids had go bags packed should he ever kill her. Jeez. But he never beat them. Oh. See? He's a good dad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, See, that's for where him. Iceman gets it from. See, they just took that and made that the only part of his family life that they showed. In the movie. Except for that yeah. time he got angry. Once. Yeah, that's One a massive time. disservice. Yeah. But yeah, he would um, destroy furniture with his bare hands in front of them. He was, a, a trem- he was an absolutely terrifying force in the house except Mm. to Merrick really because Merrick was his favorite and Merrick had a lot of problems she had kidney problems from just literally since the day she was born and 
Iceman used to go and sit with her and stroke her hair every day when she was in the hospital. And he was, that was the, uh, Merrick was the only child that he told the story of his abusive childhood to. And he's like, and this is why I'm like this. This is why I do the things that daddy does. And she's like, I love you, daddy. And he's like, never say it. Never say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said that she Brutal. loved him till the day uh, that he died that she was yeah. she was loyal to him uh, the entire every all the other kids were like i hate this man mm-hmm. this man is awful but she was daddy's girl so she forgave everything that he did and he'd do other terror like what he would do to keep himself from beating his kids uh he would punch himself in the face ah. until he passed out yeah and then he'd wake up and just walk out of the house oh, and shit. then come back later well, look at that! Isn't that get get? You got to get one of those big fake dummies. And you punch those in the basement to let out Tybo. all the anger. Tybo, get some Billy Blanks tapes. Come on, buddy! I'm getting some OJ vibes here too. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember those OJ yeah. tapes where uh, Nicole Brown was on the phone with the cops, and the yeah. cops were like, "Oh, ask him about his time with the Bills," and she's like, "No, he's gonna kill me. Tell me about the touchdowns." Can you ask? I mean, that was you ridiculous. should be so lucky. That's a great football player. Great football player. Big head. So after Merrick Kuklinski was born, Barbara and Richard moved back to New Jersey. The year was 1962, and Barbara's uncle Tony got Richard a straight job at the 20th Century Deluxe Film Lab on the west side of Manhattan. Hey, all right. And after working there for a little while, Richard learned how to copy prints on the sly. And eventually, he had a nice little criminal enterprise pirating Disney cartoons and selling them on the black market. What the hell is going on? What is happening <laughs> with all these Disney cartoons? What is going I don't on? really understand. And Ooh, I don't really pause? understand the idea of there being a black market for Disney cartoons. Yeah, oh, of course there is. No, because that's the thing is that all of these theaters have to pay these high prices in order to get the distribution rights to these right. films. And they have to pay it to the distributor. They have to pay it to the studio. So if they can get that film for five, six hundred uh, bucks less from someone like Richard Kuklinski, then they're going to take it. And yeah, so he made a great living doing this. We used to get all those bootlegs from that old, really shady guy who kept on getting shut down by the NYPD when we were super yes. broke. And you hear the people eating and talking in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So what did they overhear while they were watching Nothing. this? Like Kuklinski no. choking a guy out or <laughs> no, like no, stabbing no. a guy to death while the film is happening? Like- no, this was a full co- – there was no difference between the, the bootleg print and the real print. Okay. So he was just – he would stay up all night long making extra copies uh, so they could sell them on the black market. This is what made him crazy. It's like the movie Evil Ed, the guy who <laughs> ed- edited all those films. But you learned a – you lear- he learned it from his bosses. They yeah. were all stealing because everybody I was see. immediately crooked. And so he'd go and he'd print Snow White and then I guess go down by the fucking Washington Bridge and there'd be a guy like, what you got, man? What you got? What you got going on? I, said, <laughs> I got me some white and I got me some, I can see right here, some Rella. You need some Rella, bro? You need some Rella? <laughs> Aladdin and things like that. Well, it seems kind of innocent in a strange way, but it's it, not. Yeah, no, 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 no absolutely not. not. Because it so, immediately shifted to fucking pornography. Uh, that also sounded very, uh, which is different back in the day. Interesting. From there, the heist started anew. From trucks full of jeans to Casio watches. Whole trucks full of Casio watches. <laughs> Richard was heisting and stealing and selling. And one of these heists was actually Richard's reintroduction into the world of murder. Oh. Richard. Yeah. <laughs> There's a direct correlation, by the way, when a kid starts when he, when a kid starts gelling his hair in seventh grade, uh-huh. you also get the Casio. Oh yeah. Let the ladies know you know how to tell time. 
you joke, but <laughs> I, I had my hair slicked back. <laughs> I had my Casio watch. Yeah, I had my I'm Cosby saying. shirt on. I was covered in jupe. And I was ready to go. I love jupe. Used to just douse it on. And they did make fun of me, but I was wearing my Alonzo morning full Charlotte Hornets uniform. So they know I was serious. You could have gotten drafted back oh, yeah. like, at that point. Well, Richard and a crew had stolen a truck full of Casios and they delivered them to the buyer because that's what they would do is that they would steal shit. Uh, a buyer would agree upon a price and then the buyer would flip them. Okay. But upon delivery... The buyer decided he didn't want to pay the price that he and Richard had agreed upon. Uh, so Richard lost patience trying to dicker with the guy. He pulled out a gun uh -oh. and shot him and his three associates in the head. Just God. bam, 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 bam. And just cut Good to him Lord. swimming in a bunch of Casio watches like Scrooge <laughs> McDuck being like, they're mine. They're all mine. I never want to dicker with anybody. <laughs> no, I don't like the term. I never want to do that. But Richard, I mean, I feel like this is kind of a, a, a more of a reveal into the real Richard Kuklinski. I don't know if he was like special forces level, able to hide any body, 80, like, you know, like an incredible cat-like murderer. Like, I don't think he's like that. I think he's like this. I think these are the stories when he says where it's like the guy decides to one-up him and decides to be, because he's like, I don't really want to pay this price, thinking he's a big deal. Richard's first inclination, let's not figure a way out of this. Let's not right. talk. Let's not negotiate. I'm just going to shoot you in the fucking head. And every single time, because he he, Richie always said, I don't like working with other people. Yeah. But mostly I think it's other people were really afraid of working with Richie because yeah. he would just kill everybody. Right. All the time. <laughs> I think that's the main reason they were terrified of him. And if he's anything like you, Henry, fastest guy within 10 feet, you got to be very careful for the sneaky Polish. <laughs> you better be careful for a sneaky fucking Polish. Right? Because you never see us coming. Because I'm know. below knee height for you half the I time. Because if I get on all fours, you won't even see me. And all of a sudden, I'm in your pockets. Next thing, I'm, I'm, I'm glicking your ankles. And you think oh, it's puffing. No. But it's me. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com 
and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and i was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue nile bling she's got on her right now get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more with code last podcast at blue nile.com that's 50 dollars off with code last podcast at blue nile.com blue nile.com One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, the load of Casios was eventually sold to Phil Solomene who would prove to be one of the most important people in Richard's life, both in terms of the evolution of his criminal career and the end of it. Richard famously said that Phil was the only friend he had that he didn't kill. But speaking completely objectively here, Phil would eventually be the friend he should have trusted the least. Really? And isn't that how it goes? I guess. So Phil's business at the time was pornography, specifically the really nasty stuff. Uh Uh-oh. He dealt in everything from intense blood play to golden showers, which Uh golden showers by this... By the standards of today, Golden Showers are pretty tame. We do a bit during our live show about what's happened to Pornhub and what's going on <laughs> with the American family. And, yeah, I yeah. think that's true. But now but now Golden Shower videos have lighting, they have catering, like you can go. I mean, they have plenty of water, obviously, but a part oh, of it is... you need that, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Golden Showers is normal porn now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this was this was during when you had to watch everything in a in a theater, right? To, Surrounded yeah. by a bunch of people and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to go to a theater for all this stuff. Okay. Uh, or you had to go to like someone's garage for a stag party. Uh Gacy style. Gacy style. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but Phil's specialty was bestiality oh, of my the God. literal dog and pony show variety. Ugh. Apparently featuring a young Linda Lovelace blowing a horse. No way. Well, really? Shetland Pony. No way. <laughs> I'm Linda sorry. Lovelace I'm did sorry. That? Did she really do that? Uh, we don't I know. Would ha- I would have to. Uh, I mean, I can. Linda? 
Lovelace. Uh-oh. Bestiality. Oh. Enter. Uh-oh. I don't like what Google is going to give us here. Are you talking about the movie Dogfucker made in 1971? You know, I could be talking about anything. I Is that what it's called? <laughs> uh, it's called Dogorama. And that's with Linda Lovelace? She's pleasured by a German shepherd. Yeah. Oh. Rated R for rough. <laughs> I, good lord. All right. I didn't need to know that. Jeez. This, everyone was so disgusted in the 60s, and they mm-hmm. just pretended like it was all peace and love. Yeah. But you know what? Peace and love can go a little bit too far when a Rottweiler's involved. Uh-huh. Someone um, is protesting a bit too much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Leave Puffin out of this. <laughs> well, Phil found that the dirtier his shit was, the better it sold. And since Richard still had his job making copies of movies for distribution, he switched from bootlegging Disney to the much more profitable business of bootlegging porno. Oh, my. Now, eventually, Richard would make connections where he would be selling porno directly to the Gambino crime family, and thus, Richard was back in the mob Uh, and raring to go for more murder for hire. I missed that scene in Godfather when the main dude was jerking off to Dagorama. <laughs> what the hell Can is happening? Can you imagine going to an Italian restaurant like Backroom where you're sitting there, everyone's watching Linda Lovelace blow a Shetland pony, <laughs> and it's just one guy be like, Hey, Joey Launches, you come yet? <laughs> and he's like, Wait, give me a second, Joey Gabagool. <laughs> yellow. I say yellow when I come. <laughs> All right. This is disturbing stuff here. Oh, yeah. But that's not to say that Richard didn't murder in the meantime. Okay. On one occasion, Richard said he'd stashed a different load of Casio watches on some dude's farm for a nominal fee. Let's not use the word load for a while. Could we please just <laughs> refrain from that word for a second? Yeah, if you have a better word to describe... Bundle. A shipment, <laughs> Several pallets. A Several pallets. Can I say a yeah. clutch? Sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, when Richard returned for the clutch, the truck was gone. And so Richard said he took a couple of road flares and tortured the guy who was in charge of the truck, burning his feet down to the bone. Mm. Then he did the same to the other foot. Then he took off the guy's pants and burned the guy's balls. He said he burnt his testicles until they were a useless lump of flesh. And his buddies, again... They're just trying to boost some watches. These right. guys are not in the torture business. This is supposed to be zip, zap, zop, over and done with. We're going to do all this. This guy's like, I don't think I'm going to give me your truck. And the other guys are like, okay, so let's like just tell him, you know, we'll maybe rough him around a little bit. And Richie's like, I got this. <laughs> and then yeah. when he started setting his balls on fire, everyone's like, Richie. <laughs> hey, buddy. Richie, what's going on? What are you doing there? <laughs> Richie, stop it. <laughs> Smells like a real barbecue joint in here, Richie. What's going on? <laughs> and then just when Richard was about to go for the cock, the guy finally admitted that the truck was hidden on his buddy's farm down the road. Hold on a second. So this is the guy. He's as strong as John McCain. <laughs> I, that is unbelievable. It took yeah. his, his testicles, both of his feet getting burned before he admitted where a truck was. Well, the guy down the road, he gave it up almost immediately no after kidding. a quick pistol weapon. Yeah. But if you're wondering, okay, so you wonder, like, why did this guy lose two feet in his balls before giving up the clutch? I am wondering why this guy lost both of his feet <laughs> and his balls before giving up the clutch. Because once Richard found out that these two guys had stolen from him, boom, boom, both dead. Mm. He yeah, knew. shot him in the head. He knew that the moment 
Richard found out that they had stolen from him. He knew they were both dead. Okay. So that was it. He just, he finally had as much as he could take. So for them, it was a, it was life and death. Yeah. Well, the dude was literally the entire time being like, I don't know anything. I didn't know anything. God. And Richie talks about openly in the book where he's just like, he's like, maybe he doesn't know anything. <laughs> no, maybe <laughs> I'm wrong, but let me just, let me check one more time. <laughs> and then he'd go like, now I'm going to do your penis. And the guy's just like, oh, yeah. And he's like, ah, see, see, So he basically like pulled a Columbo. He was about to leave and he turns around yes. and like, yeah, one, more one more thing. thing. <laughs> one more thing. Interesting. Well, another time, Richard said he accidentally killed a union guy who was busting his balls on behalf of the film printers union because Richard was putting in too much overtime at the lab. Just let it leave Richard alone. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so Richard punched the guy. The guy fell and hit his head on a park bench and died. And so Richard went to a hardware store, bought some rope, returned to the scene, and hung the guy from a tree right there in the park to make it look like a suicide. He even got a milk crate and set it up next to him to make it look like the guy had hopped off of it. Wow. And this I want to thank um, I want to thank Ian over at the Improv Works for helping me with my <laughs> prop work to really think about how to get yourself out of it. Follow the fear. Don't think. Yeah. This one here, this is a little suspect. I mean, Richard said he was never suspected for the crime, but it's likely that people knew that the union guy was going to go see him. And plus, if the guy had hit his head hard enough to kill him, then there would naturally be a wound, which the cops who pulled him down would have noticed. So I hit him in the head. I hit him in the head. He fell down. So what I did was I set up a little table, put a tablecloth on it, a little nice bottle Chianti, a whole plate of mm, King Prawns. Oh, you got a nice Romulan sauce you could dip on on it. And I set him up in the chair, put his face in the prawns. Heart attack. <laughs> Natural death. It makes all the sense in the world. But on the other hand, you know, the guy could have broken his neck in the fall. That's A lot of people die sure. that way, where, you know, they fall on a weird spot on a bench or something like that, and their neck breaks. Right. Or, you know, the cops could have been idiots, and they might have just been like, look at this guy. Ah, pull him down. Okay, send no him way. My father was a cop. No <laughs> way a cop could ever be dumb. Oh, no. Or yeah. lazy. Or drunk or, on no. the job. Or incompetent. No. Or half checked out or drunk on the job. No, no. way. No. I don't believe it. Yeah, you know, and it could be that Richard was lying completely. Or that things didn't happen quite the way that Richard remembered it. Because after all, you got to remember that Richard was in his late 60s when he told these stories in full to Philip Carlo. This mm. is 30 or 40 years after these events. Right. He may have jazzed some stuff up quite a bit. Obviously, oh, yeah. we're going to go into many different ways he jazzed things up. But I think he did kill many people. <laughs> yeah. No, I in think the process. He, yes. 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 But one thing we do know for sure is the crime that Richard's brother Joseph committed. Now, it seems like psychopathy was something that ran in the Kuklinski family. Joseph was just as much of a criminal as Richard, but the difference was Joseph was terrible at it. Because of this, Richard was constantly bailing his brother out of troublesome situations. And since people liked Richard and the work that that he did, and that they were just plain terrified of him, Mm -hmm. they always let Richard get him out of it. But Richard could not and would not get his brother out of what he did to 12-year-old Pamela Dial. Mm. One night, Joseph lured the girl to the roof and raped her before choking her to death and tossing her to the ground from four stories up. Now, Joseph had been seen with Pamela earlier that night, but the witnesses didn't think anything about it at the time because both of them were neighborhood people and everyone interacted with everyone else. 
But because Joseph had been seen with her, police approached him and he confessed before the arrest was even made. He was sentenced to life in prison in his early 20s and coincidentally would one day share a cell block with his brother. All right. Well, that is for the best. Yeah. Life imprisonment is definitely where he belongs. You could see the difference between uh, the fact that Joseph had a sexual nature to his crimes, where it was like this thing was obviously he was a pedophile that also uh, was trying to cover up his crimes and he had a weird impulse control and he was uh, closer to what we would call like a true, like like a predator, like, like yeah. a piece of shit, where Richard Kuklinski, all of his crime and the way he filtered it was through business. So the way that he managed to make it his shit legit Right. And Joseph, a monster, even in his own mind, because he would say later on, they would see each other on the cell and they, they would see each other on the block. Mm-hmm. And he would be like, he would maybe give him a nod. But he's like, my brother's disgusting. Well, I guess if you have to compare the two, I, I suppose I could see how Richard could, could rationalize that he's better than his brother. Obviously. Um, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, if his brother hadn't got caught immediately, it's very likely he would have become a serial killer. And who you knows? Know, yeah. did, I mean, are there any uh, accusations of crimes that were unsolved that maybe he no. might have committed no no no. it was oh, okay. a it was definitely a, a first timer for him there was nothing else because they he convi- he confessed immediately when they approached him okay but these two guys would not share a cell block for decades to come richard still had a long career ahead of him and the whole thing had its foundations in the pornography business all right but he said he kept killing people who bothered him or threw him out of bars or pissed him off on the road and each time Richard said he was getting away with it. And the more he got away with it, the more he started to realize that he was really fucking good at murder. And more specifically, really fucking good at not getting caught. But he realized he had a skill that should be paid for. It's like what happens in a performer's career at some point. Yeah. Where you right. realize, like, I should be paid to do this. And he's more and more he's thinking about it. I mean, like, I should be paid the murder again. <laughs> you know what? People, well, you- this is my umbrella. What was the name of that business book with all the umbrellas? <laughs> Why the fuck are you asking us? I don't know what that was called. It's something about umbrellas. I remember from when I worked at Borders. L.L. Bean? (laughs) No, it had umbrellas in it. Just umbrellas? It was something about get your colored umbrella. Like, you better have a brown umbrella. I don't know what that means. You better have a pink umbrella. So with your comparison, his open mic night for a struggling comedian until they got good was killing a bunch of homeless people on the Upper West Side? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Interesting. Ex- no, exactly. And but- so he found out he wasn't scared of it either. Like when you go on stage for the first time, you're like, I can be up here. Oh, he was never scared. Never of scared. It. No, no okay. never scared. But I think this statement, as well as the fact that we know that he went decades without the cops even getting a whiff of him, even though we know he was murdering that whole time. That makes me think that he probably did murder quite a few unsuspecting people as well as a few of those homeless men. Mm. I mean, he almost certainly exaggerated, but... Nobody is born the best at what they do. You're right. It's about 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell. It's, oh. it's the, Being a fucking contract killer is no different. I mean, it helps to have natural talent, but even Michael Jordan had to constantly practice and work his yeah. ass off to become one of the best of all time. And kill his father. Yeah, kill, <laughs> no, and kill his own father. You should cover that. I don't know. I he feel didn't bad kill his that. own father. He, well, he, he set him up. Yeah, he didn't. Quote unquote. Uh, no, he a conspiracy. <laughs> but Allen Iverson was one of the best of all time. He didn't practice. Well, practice. <laughs> practice. Yeah. Well, how long did Allen Iverson last? Hey, I, 13, 14 years. What, huh. He brought the Sixers to the finals. Did they win the finals? Did they win the finals? No, because yeah. he well, was the team go. worse than the Cavs. He's six feet tall. <laughs> one of them had a seven peat. 
The other one didn't. Well, yeah. it wasn't also, a seven peat. It was two three yes. peats. Uh huh. Seven peat. No, it wasn't right? a seven peat. <laughs> it was it was back to back to back. Two years off. To go into the conspiracy theory because uh, he was maybe gambling too much. He went uh-huh. to hit some balls over the fence. Yeah, and then three again. Yep. Seven peat. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> He's no Bobby Bonilla. That's all I know. That's because, all it, know. because when it comes down to it, Bobby Bonilla gets paid to do nothing. And what is success but that? <laughs> yes. Bobby Bonilla day, a million bucks. What a genius. And so Richard, after realizing that he was really, really good at getting away with murder, returned to the New Jersey mob bosses and told them that he was once again looking for, quote, special work. All right. And meanwhile, Richard was stepping it up in the porn game. Instead of just making bootlegs, Richard started taking films on consignment, and he even started financing his own movies, all shot in abandoned warehouses over in Soho. Really? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let me take a look at some of these scripts, okay? <laughs> all right, so, Greg, you're going to be playing um, what appears to be a giant talking sponge. It's all yellow <laughs> stuff. We're going to have to paint his cock yellow, too. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Stacy, you're going to be playing some kind of piece of coral, uh, something about. He's got square pants, but it's round. He's got round legs. Oh, he's going to be wearing foam? We got to d- oh, hold, cut his dick out of it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good porno. There's one thing yeah. I know how to make. It's good, good Polish porno. SpongeBob Square Squirts. I don't like it. Uh, it was actually called, uh, I think it was called SpongeBob Square Dick. Oh, it was pretty mm. good. Oh, oh, there's yeah. actually a porno. Yes, Tim yes. Diamond was in it. It was really great, actually. Okay. Fun. I get kind of fun? <laughs> I don't know. All right, so now he's directing porno, which has to be horrifying. He wasn't directing. Well, he's not directing. No, 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 no. Producing. He, would, he, he was he, producing. Okay. Yeah, he was producing. He said he actually hated to be, be in the same room at us because he said it was filthy. I'm so sick of Mafia, guys. Over the last like couple yeah. days like reading about them, they're all like this. It's all yeah. just because like, you know, drugs are, are gross. Even they're all doing cocaine. They're right. still like, murdering people, throwing them in the river, but like, drugs... That's against the mafia code. Uh-huh. And then the idea of people in porn, like people in sex work being disgusting, where it's just being like, you guys are all, jer- you guys are, have more respect for the ponies getting blown here than the women <laughs> doing the blowing. Yeah, They're that, those are the workers. But since Richard had taken those films on consignment and the return on producing movies was slow, Richard found that he'd bit off a little more than he could chew money-wise. Hmm. And he eventually ran afoul of a mobster named Roy DeMeo. All right. Roy DeMeo was very similar to Joe Pesci's character from Goodfellas. Yeah. Roy DeMeo was a very dangerous person, short and fat, real mean, real Mm. fucking crazy, and kind of a loose cannon. The way he got into this business, which I think is very interesting, and it's uh, it's a way that Mafia does it. Basically, the guy that owned... The film distribution company owed money to Roy DeMeo. So Roy mm. DeMeo decided to just become one of the executives of the company. He's like, well, mm. now your company's my company. So the thing is that Richie hated when people owed him money. And he would right. get real mad about it. And he, when someone told him they couldn't get it, he'd go and fucking kill him. But then he pulled the same game to Roy DeMeo where he bought, he borrowed a bunch of money from his bosses to produce porn movies in order to flip them. But then Roy DeMeo just like starts asking for his money and Richie's like, I'll pay him when I can pay him. And it's like, mm. dude, you're fucking cruising for a bruising. Yes. You know what the you know what you're doing here. Cruising for a bruising. He was like Joan Crawford in the film Mommy Dearest when she was on the board for Pepsi. She yeah. said, I'm here. And she actually did great for that brand. <laughs> I don't did. know I don't know if I don't know if DeMeo helped the brand or not, but she was very good. 
Well, Roy DeMeo is one of the few guys in the mob who are on the same level as Richard Kuklinski when it came to murder. Uh-oh. In fact, he and his crew were so prolific that they eventually came to be known as the murder machine. Now, <laughs> it's now sweet. may I ask, well, now why do they call you the murder machine exactly? That's a funny question you said there, lady. Uh, murder machine. Now let's take the let's take the words apart. A machine, a thing that does the work of a man, but compartmentalized in a way that is mechanical. Murder, a way that people end life. Now see, let's look back at the charts because all mafia guys always have to do a thing. Be like the 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 individual that was associated with me in such years in 1974. I do not recall. I do not recall such actions. <laughs> They're professionals. See, unlike Richard, Roy DeMeo would kill anyone, women, children, whole families mm. if need be, filling hits for civilians as well as the mob. As author Philip Carlo pointed out, I mean, Roy DeMeo retailed murder. Mm. And again, if you think this is all ridiculous, that all this is too insane to believe, too cruel, take five minutes and look up the type of shit the cartels in Mexico do. Right. Because at one point in this country, we had guys doing the exact same shit on a regular basis. Yes, and you can watch that footage live on LiveLeak if yes. you ever uh, feel the need to see what happens there. Brutal. Well, shows yeah. like The Sopranos and all kind of stuff shows the kind of the goofy side of mobsters, and it's true. A lot of them, I mean, they are big, fat-headed morons right. that do a bunch of dumb shit as well, but people also forget that for a while, like, this was an incredibly complicated business. Mm-hmm. The United States government didn't really know anything about the mob until 1963 when it was a part of this thing called the McClellan Committee that went to go look into the how organized crime worked, and they talked to a guy named Joe Vallaki that told them a bunch of shit that they were like, oh, I had no fucking clue. They, they, they didn't know that the mob ran so deep. Like you're talking right. about the mobs, like since are been around since the late 1800s in Italy. Like these, like these are like it's a well entrenched like world of murder and crime that right. just kept getting passed along and getting more and more complicated as the generations would increase the business. So the FBI learned how uh, the uh, the uh, crime families worked. And then they said, we're going to shut those down. We're going to copy and paste their strategies, and we're going to call it what we do. That's basically what happened? Okay, good to know. Now, Roy's thing was dismemberment. Oh, He'd worked as a butcher at a Key Foods out in Canarsie. No kidding. Yeah, right at the end of at the end of the L train. I might have eaten there or, or bought some food from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I never. These butchers. I'm beginning to have a You're real thing with a, butchers. <laughs> yeah. But while Roy was at Key Foods, he'd learn how to, quote, what he called disassemble a body using a system he himself devised. The body will be cut into six pieces, head, arms, legs, and torso. Almost, now, that, you... almost that song. <laughs> what is that? Heads, legs, or whatever the one is. Now, what did you learn from your summer job? <laughs> I wonder if he ever had a scene like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler where he just, he had enough of his life. He freaked out on someone. <laughs> well, after he disassembled the body, the bodies would be wrapped in brown paper, put into garbage bags, and dumped in six different locations all around Brooklyn, oh. like garbage cans, garbage dumps, or sometimes just flung into the ocean. It's like, it's like Willy Wonka on his magic ticket, but the exact opposite. <laughs> yes. And DeMeo, he didn't pull this shit off alone. He was the head of a crew of six other guys who were just as vicious. Mm. Joey Testa, Anthony Center, Chris Goldberg, Henry Borelli, 
Freddie Denomi, and a guy named Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> What the guy that uh, the guy um, the guy that Dr. Dre sang about? In, uh, was it vampires and Dra- oh, oh, yeah, Dracula yeah, and Frankenstein were the best? Dre Maybe produced that's where- that song. Yes, well, perhaps that no. was more of a gangster. No, thug- that was song uh, than we thought. That was my rap. Technically, oh, it was the seminal yeah. Dracula rap. Yeah, they called this guy Dracula because he looked like Bela Lugosi. Uh, but everyone called him Dracula. Okay, all right. It's said that altogether, these seven guys were suspected to have murdered over a hundred people, doing all of their dismemberment in the rear apartment of DeMeo's bar, a little place called the Gemini Lounge. Oh my. And these guys at the Gemini Lounge, they loved their work. One time, Richard was over at the Gemini and went to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. He noticed a smell coming from the shower, Uh so he pulled back the curtain. There, he found a dead guy hanging upside down above the tub. His throat had been cut, and blood was oozing from the wound. Oof. The guys were bleeding him out because they wanted to make it all that. They wanted to make it cleaner when they had to dismember him. Okay, so it's fair to say that the bleeding out thing—that's Dracula's idea. <laughs> that was like he's like, but my name is Dracula. If there's no blood left in the body, you get it. You got it. And when Richard walked out of the bathroom, Roy joked. You see the guy taking a shower? <laughs> uh. They were just laughing and shit. I get but it. But apparently, according to the book Five Families by Selwyn Robb, uh, he had a laugh like a hyena. Uh. He was a real funny, funny, funny guy. Really? <laughs> wow, very Lion King of him. Yeah. The hyenas get a bad rap, by the way. They're actually very good animals. They are. And they're, they are, they're scary, and they are really kings of the jungle. And we need I don't more know respect. about your. They do. I don't know about your hyena revisionism. No, it's <laughs> we'll not. We'll find out. No. no. Remember Planet Earth Two? The episode yes. in the city is where they all have those pet hyenas. They're great. They're very dangerous animals. They're still dangerous. <laughs> You're a comedian. You should love a hyena. All they do is laugh. No, 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 no. I like. I like making comedy that makes people think, Kissel. Oh. I don't really like laugh. I don't want people to laugh. I want them to think. I want them to be moved. Well, I think you'll have a very successful Netflix special because apparently that's comedy now. <laughs> that is comedy. <laughs> and then after Roy DeMeo made the joke about the shower, they all sat down and had a nice spaghetti together. Oh, Got to. Everything uh. needs to be punctuated with a good spaghetti. I guess. DeMeo was also a facilitator of murder. Since he was based in Canarsie, he was right next to JFK, the airport. Okay. Through his connections there, DeMeo smuggled hundreds of guns, which are then dispersed to mob families all around the country. All right. It does. I like when you say mob families. It does feel like like a mob daddy, and a mob mommy, <laughs> right. a mom baby. But he said that he would. Oh, they would open up the crates of guns and his favorite things that he'd pick up and be like, "Oh, my little baby! Oh, my little baby!" And he'd pick up the assault rifles and like kiss them and stuff on the barrel and like laugh. <laughs> and oh he's my like, god! Oh, and like pretending to suck on his tit and shit. And be like, "Oh, it's like I'm a mother, huh?" Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of those Dana Loesch NRA videos. And <laughs> yes. I, honestly, I don't know about all that. Yeah, actually, I'd say as, as bad as Kuklinski was, it was Roy DeMeo who truly deserved to be called the devil. The devil! <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Eventually, the Gemini Lounge came to be known as simply the Slaughterhouse. Well. Can you please say it correctly, Marcus? The Slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, excuse me. Came to be known as simply... 
The Slaughterhouse. Oh my! <laughs> well, that does sound kind of a fun name for a bar if it's if it's horror themed and not an actual butcher shop for people. So since Richard was behind on his porno payments, this was back when oh. Richard and Roy first met. Since Richard was behind on his porno payments, Roy DeMeo went to make a visit. Now, Roy was a silent partner with the people Richard owed money to, so this was not a murderous visit. Mm. They only wanted the money. But still, Richard got a little smart during the conversation, so DeMeo pistol-whipped Kuklinski before bashing him in the face with the butt of a shotgun. Ah. And although Kuklinski would pay his debt, and the two would work together for a long time, Kuklinski vowed he would one day kill DeMeo for that transgression. DeMeo should have micturated on his rug. That would have been fun. Where's the money? Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Kuklinski? Where's the money? In the meantime, though, Richard had to play along because DeMeo was in deep with the Gambino crime family. This meant two things. One, if Richard killed DeMeo, he was as good as dead. But more importantly, DeMeo was Richard's introduction to the big leagues. Not killing DeMeo was a career move. See, DeMeo was on his way to try to be... He was, he was desperate to be a made man in the mafia. He wanted it real bad. So eventually, what, what DeMeo would do is pick people up. Like how when the, the film distribution company, when that ran out of money in order to pay him, he just acquired it. He did the same thing with Glukinski. He looked at him and he like, Oh, this guy didn't didn't mouth off at me after I punched him in the face. I like the way he is. I like. I think he's a straight shooter. I'm gonna hire him and give him some work. Especially at the time, Kuklinski, like he made it act as if he he kind of made it out that when he said I'm ready for special work, everyone was like clamoring to work for with him. But they weren't. They didn't know who this guy was. Right. DeMeo was actually the only one crazy enough to just say, "All right, you want to kill people." You think you can kill people? Let's see what you can do. Yep. So oh, he gave wow. him an audition. See, Roy, he had heard about the Richard working for the D. Cavalcantes, and he wanted to see if the rumors of this Iceman were actually true. Mm. So Richard got into Roy's car, and the two took a drive from Canarsie over to Greenwich Village in Manhattan. They parked the car, and DeMeo pointed out a guy walking his dog, just a random person on the street. Any idea what kind of dog? <laughs> Do we know? <laughs> they did not specify <laughs> okay. what kind of dog, no. Well, DeMeo told Richard, kill him. Just a random fucking dude mm-hmm. walking his dog. So Kuklinski, no questions asked, and without any hesitation whatsoever, got out of the car, brought along the suppressed thirty-eight that Roy had given him, and popped the guy in the back of the head. Mm. Richard said the guy went down like a bag of laundry. He then walked back, got in the car, and the two leisurely drove away. Now to bring it up just one more time, the way the Iceman movie portrays this scene is possibly the most offensive of all. Really? Whoa. Marcus, please sit down. (laughs) Marcus, sit (laughs) down. stand up. He is sitting down. (laughs) See, what they were trying to do the whole time with that movie was to make Richard sympathetic, someone you might even like a little. So instead of a man with a dog on the street, they had Richard kill a homeless person. Ah... And what they're doing here, in the context of the rest of the movie, is implying that killing a homeless person, eh, not quite as bad. 
bunch of scumbags. Who? Because after yeah. all, what other honestly, that's true. Yeah, what other reason is there for replacing the dog walker with the homeless guy right. and making Richard more reluctant, if not to make him a more sympathetic character? Absolutely. No, I don't. I, I did, all of this has made me hate the Iceman. Yes, I hate it now. Yeah, Marcus. you did this. But I still love Michael <laughs> Shannon. Yeah, me too. I, I want him to do it. I want him to do it again. I want him to get another go. Yeah, right. I'd love for him to do it again. My favorite character on Boardwalk Empire was Michael Shannon's character. Easily. Mm-hmm. Take Shelter is a wonderful movie. There was a great episode of The Flash. I believe it was maybe season one, episode three, where there was a man killing homeless people. And The Flash said, the cops aren't doing nothing about it. But I'm going <laughs> to quickly take care of this problem. And then so indeed I'll he did. I'll make sure I'll, I'll run as fast as possible so that all crime can see how fast I run. <laughs> you do not understand the flash or the flash's many powers yeah. in any way whatsoever you, you know what would be I a, don't you know it would be a fun competition a little off base here but the flash versus tum tum from from three ninjas in a cereal <laughs> eating competition <laughs> who wins the flash i don't know tum tum had a big old craving for candy the flash has to eat a lot because of his enhanced metabolism tum tum has to eat guys, a lot cuz this fun. is not this is not buzzfeed on Saul. Oh, right. okay <laughs> this is last podcast on the left we're not going to go through nostalgia your quick hits here. So, from that point on, after Richard killed a guy just walking his dog, mm. Richard Kuklinski was Roy DeMeo's secret weapon in charge of only the most challenging hits or when the mobster putting out the contract really wanted to make the mark suffer. Okay. Okay, this is where I'll enter my opinion and to my my jump into character for these men to to, to decipher this. This is Kuklinski's idea. Of what Roy DeMeo said to him. Say, Roy DeMeo told him, You're my secret weapon. You're my boogeyman. You're gonna go out there. God knows what'll happen when they see your shadow. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be so upset. He's like, Yeah, you had DeMeo tell me again. But I don't think that that's what, what happened. I think that what happened is that the, the first thing that Kuklinski said is that he couldn't stand DeMeo's crew because they were a bunch of like, Good time Charlie's yucking it up, and they also love to murder. Kuklinski liked working alone. He also thought he was above everybody else, and he was smarter and better than everybody else. I think DeMeo saw that the crew did not get along with Kuklinski. If the crew eventually decided that they didn't like Kuklinski enough, they would just fucking kill him. They'd also kill DeMeo. He isn't going to keep everybody happy. DeMeo also liked controlling people because he was a fat little boy growing up. That that was the reason why he became what he became was because of all the bullying he received as a little boy. So now he liked playing people like a puppet master. So huh. I think that when it came to Kuklinski, he kept them separate. Also, there's a lot of people who don't want to really acknowledge the bias that the mafia has against the non-Italian. And that the uh-huh. non-Italian, Thank that the, you. the Polish, <laughs> it's, it's true, the Polish the hate, I would say, or not understanding or separation of them, was uh-huh. what kept him on the outside. That Richard Kuklinski was kept over here to do all these so-called little dirty jobs because he was a Polak that could be used for it and not one of my special uh, Italian brothers and sisters need to help me uh, become a made man. Well, I, this is this is the most sympathetic Henry has ever been towards any group of people. I wonder why. Uh, he also really didn't emphasize being short, fat, and bullied, uh, which yes. may or may not make you a puppet master of sorts. 
yeah. No, I'm just saying, and it's a part of the reason why, because there's a lot of people talking about, like, people cast doubt on whether or not Kuklinski even worked the DeMeo, and a part of that has to do with the list of DeMeo's crew was put together as the FBI was shadowing the Gemini Lounge and marking the license plates that would go in and out, but it seems like they would only really mark the ones of made men and guys that are actually involved in the family. Kuklinski was to the side Mm -hmm. and was used as a sort of a secret. Well, that might have been to his benefit in some ways, though, right? Yeah, he actually never hung out with those guys. Like, he never went to the parties. He never did any of that. He he never did any of that bullshit as far as uh, the social stuff went. So he just, like, looked through the Look through the window as they were all celebrating. No, and, like, he didn't want wipe, to. Wiped off the wiped no off the frost. Allow. <laughs> and also, like Richard worked for everyone. He was a freelancer. Right. You know, as you know, Henry is taking great pains to point out he was not Italian. No, he was Polish, so he could never be a made man. Uh, but because of this, he wasn't a member of any particular family. So he worked for all seven East Coast crime families. He worked for the Pontis, the D. Cavalcantis, the Gambinos, the Lucchesis, the Colombos, Lucchesis, 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 the Colombos, the Genovesis, and the Bananos. The Pragos, the Barillas, <laughs> the Ragus. I'm actually sort of afraid of still like making fun of them a little bit. Because I don't know how much of it's around. No. New York, you have a lot more still happening in New York. Greenpoint has got a lot of mobs still. Williamsburg has got a lot of mobs still. Oh, they love us. Yeah. <laughs> they love us. And nobody really cared who Richard was doing hits for because he was just that good. Mm-hmm. And they all had a use for him. So he was able to pretty much take hits wherever he could get them. And most of them actually didn't even know Richard's real name. He was known e- only as either the Pollock. Or big guy. Big guy. <laughs> big guy. Wow. <laughs> Richard was the guy all of them used when the mob wanted to give someone a preview of hell before they were actually sent there. Ooh. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it is? I, I also wonder a lot of the times if he was really that good or if it's mostly just he was just so scary. That it's like, it's just kind of a thing where they told him he was really good and he began to believe he was really good, but it was just because we might as well just monetize his killing before he does it for free. Yeah, I mean, I think that but being scary makes him really good. I mean, it's like Ray Lewis with the Baltimore Ravens. That guy was just horrifying. Immediately, as soon as he took the field, everyone's like, he'll win. He should. <laughs> well, you can see evidence that he was really good. I mean, he made sure. great money. Uh, he always had money. He always lost a ton of money gambling, and his family always lived a great upper class, if not up middle upper middle class, if not upper class lifestyle. And he really come, came from nothing, too. He right? came from absolutely yes. nothing. Uh, he murdered for thirty years without anyone ever catching him. Uh, he was absolutely good at this. I mean, there is definitely proof that he was one of the best. Okay, one of Richard's most disturbing jobs came in 1974. See, Richard wasn't just confined to New York and New Jersey. He took jobs that took him all over the country and eventually overseas. But this one in Miami was one of Richie's first big days out. Hmm. According to the guy who put out the hit, the mark had beaten and raped the 14-year-old daughter of one of his associates. But since the assailant had worn a bandana, the victim couldn't pick him out of a lineup. And since lawful justice could not be done, the mob turned to Richard. Uh Uh-oh. And he's like, yeah, of course I'll go to Miami. 
Nothing works better than a six foot five, three hundred pound Polish man in Miami. <laughs> Nothing sticking out there. So Richard got in his car and drove to Miami, bringing a loaded thirty-eight, a Ziploc bag, Uh-oh. and a hunting knife with a curved blade that had four notches on the handle. One for every person he'd killed with it. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of gilding the lily there, Richie, but <laughs> whatever you like. <laughs> my my great-grandfather had a gun that had a notch that ev- with every person he killed on it. What do you mean? There's a gun. Yeah, I had, how many people? Did, what, three. Why did he do that? Uh, he uh, ran a liquor store, and those were all people who tried to rob him, but he shot in the head instead. Really? Mm-hmm. Love and- the Texas story. <laughs> 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 all right. Didn't realize that that was in your family uh, lineage there. There's a lot of murder in my family lineage. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the Old West, man. They were all murderers. Yeah, it was 1970. It's like the Old West. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. No, no, no. I had a uh, great, great uncle uh, who was killed by the same guy who murdered Bonnie and Clyde. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Look, what a a claim to fame. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Remember... All of this is coming from Richard, so you can decide for yourself as to whether this really happened the way Richard said it did. Mm -hmm. So Richard got down to Miami, found the mark, and let the air out of his victim's car tires. When the mark arrived and opened his trunk for the spare, Richard came up behind and stuck the thirty-eight in his back, telling him, quote, My friend, you need to come with me. Now, this was among Richard's creepiest affectations. Who knows why, but if he ever, ever called you my friend, Hmm. it was almost guaranteed that you were about to die. Or, at the very least, were about to be beaten within an inch of your life. I see. It's like when someone calls someone buddy or when they say, hey, big guy, but he's tiny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, but if he called you my enemy, you were getting kissed. (laughs) (laughs) It's the upside down world. So the guy was walked over to Richard's van where Richard handcuffed him, stuffed a sock in his mouth, and duct taped it shut. Hmm. He then took the mark to a desolate spot on the beach and tied the guy to a palm tree. Uh Uh-oh. God, it's hot out here. You know that, right? Should I get some kind of umbrella for you, keep you comfortable, or something like that? (laughs) Hey, no, my friend. It's going to be the opposite of that. It's opposite (laughs) day here on the beach. (laughs) And after the guy was tied, Richard said he took down his pants, grabbed hold of his balls, Ripped him off in one swift motion. What? And showed him to the guy. Oh, my. He has a thing with balls. I got to <laughs> say, he's always immediately going after the balls. They all got I a think thing with balls. I think, honestly, that makes a lot of sense. You go right there. I You're guess. Right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, it takes uh, 350 cubes of pressure per square centimeter to rip balls off a human body. <laughs> hmm. well, Richard's family did say that he once threw a marble table through a window. So he's strong. He's ve- Richard yes. was insanely strong. All right, good grip, I guess. He then took the knife, sliced the dude's dick off, oh. and put it in the Ziploc bag that he'd brought, as later proof to the guy who put out the hit. This is called the New York-style hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, though, because how does the guy know what the other guy's penis looks like? Yeah, It uh, could really be anyone. You know, it really could be. I think the head, you I know t- what a head looks yeah. like, but... Honestly, though, if you have if you made the effort yeah. to put a penis in a Ziploc bag and take it all the way to New York from Miami, 
you, I mean, you just take what you get. Right, right. Now, do you bring that as a carry-on or do you check it? <laughs> he was driving. Oh, he was driving. driving. Yes, okay. He was driving. He was driving. I honestly think he just put it in a bun and carried it through. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, after he cut off the guy's dick, that's when the real torture began. Uh, real, that's when the real torture began. Richard took the knife and slowly sliced away slivers of flesh from the guy's body, pouring kosher salt in the wounds after each slice. <sighs> and finally, he cut open the guy's stomach and pulled out his guts. And as his <sighs> grand finale, Richard put a life jacket on the guy, dragged him out to the surf by his ankle, Flung him into the water like a bag of garbage. Good. It's like a scene out of Sin City. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. And then he let the sharks take care of the rest. Wow. Hey, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, you know, it's, I do a really great impression of you there. Uh-huh. You want to hear it? Yeah. You want to hear it? It's like, I know you're in a lot of pain. I know but maybe it's nice for a little levity, a little levity. You know, you can joke around, huh? Uh, this is my impression of you. Uh, ah! <laughs> 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 I'm a funny guy. You see, that's a joke. Yeah, the old that mafia, I put in there. the old mafia punchline there. Just a bunch of screams. Uh, and all this sounds unbelievable. It this, does. This it sounds, sounds crazy. Com- sure. completely and totally crazy. Totally unbelievable. But this next part of the story might give the whole thing some credence, or at least give gives credence to the possibility of Richard going down to Miami for a hit. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. 
I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And fast growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. Now I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet! Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing! No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. On the way back to New Jersey, Richard got into a road rage incident with a van load of guys in South Carolina. Uh-oh. Richard. Because they were being good time Charlies and driving all over the road and shooting and like a, a fucking yelping and drinking and swerving and shit thinking that they're thinking that they're invincible. Oh my goodness. So Richard pulled over and the guys pulled over as well. And when they got out of the van with bats in hand, Richard <sighs> took out his 38, shot them all dead, got back in the car and drove away. Just just never engage in violence with the mafioso. Building and building and building and building and building. You're going to come close to the car? You're going to come close to my car? I get I get mad for Richie sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes, especially with the road rage, it just says, I understand it because the people have said that I'm an angry driver. Yes. Uh, yeah, you are. A, you're <laughs> yeah. a horribly angry driver. I'm a warrior of the road. <laughs> no, uh, it is impossible to have a conversation with you when we're in the car together. No, it's unnerving. I feel like I'm with my father again. Yes. I, just, I feel like I'm with my father again inside my own mind. Yeah. And this incident actually happened. Okay. There were news stories and there were police reports. And until Richard, Richard told the story, this was a mysterious cold case. Like three d- young dudes dead by a van in the, on the side of the road in South Carolina. And now these guys, they were acting like a bunch of dicks. Right. But what sent Richard over the edge was them giving him the finger. To Richard, this was a capital offense. I guess. But God help you if you suggested that maybe he was wrong in this. We've got a clip right here from the documentary, The Iceman and the Psychiatrist, in which the psychiatrist asked Richard if he felt like these dudes acting like a bunch of dicks was worthy of murder. You almost made me mad. I know. What made you mad about that? I don't know, but you almost did. Can you figure out what it is? No. Try to look at it. 
Look at what made you mad there. I don't know. I think it must have been something you said. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, but I don't know what it was. Could it be that I was challenging you and it sounded judgmental? Could be. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. Because you've got me annoyed with you now. Yeah. That's the truth. How mad are you? I bet. Pretty. I feel a little flushed. So that means that I've reached a point in my life that I'm a little annoyed. What would you like to do? Doesn't matter. I don't think it's gone to the point that I'm actually going to do anything stupid. Well, I'll tell you, if he's a little bit upset, that's a lot upset for anybody else. <laughs> so that, that therapist, I hope that he was like slowly walking out of the room. <laughs> he he really does stick it to him in this interview. But it, like this guy, man, Kuklinski just reminds me of all the worst attributes of every one of my father's horrible friends. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's like you just look at him because partially it's like. You're scared of him. I also want to roll my eyes at him. It's like, it's such a weird combo of being like, you fucking, you're just, he's such a piece of shit. Yeah. Interesting. I was trying to listen for the clicking sound. It seemed like there was a little click in there. There might have been. I don't know. Click. But there was, a, that, that's a, that his word is annoyed. Yeah. Uh, in the book, over and over again, it's like Richard got annoyed. Right. Uh, and I didn't really understand when I was reading, I didn't really understand like what that meant until I watched that clip. Right. Uh, and then I realized like, oh, when it, the way he says annoyed means uh, I am angry enough to kill you right, right now. Right, right. And I will yes. not and I will not regret it. At all. I think it's safe to say Kuklinski would have hated John Leguizamo in the past. <laughs> he would have wanted to kill yes. the past oh, so I don't hard. think you wouldn't have been down with Stinky Dinky. No way. No. He would be so no. annoyed. Uh, uh. No, oh. absolutely not. I think he would have problems with John Leguizamo the person. <laughs> so now I think it's time to talk about the rats. Yes, yes. Animal the rats or people who snitch? Animal, the oh, rat. Okay. Uh, yeah, if we're going to talk, we've been talking about rats this whole time. We're talking about fucking the Iceman. He's the biggest rat of them all. Oh. Apparently, a local playboy, as Carlo called him, was fooling around with the much younger daughter of a Sicilian-made man. When the father asked the playboy what his intentions were, the dude said he was just out to have some fun. Can you imagine saying that to Carolina's father? Oh. If he asked you like what, what, what you were, were going to do with Carolina and you were just like, no, we're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, having fun yeah. about it and yeah. being having like, fooling around. I <laughs> mean, like, I I would go insane. Yeah, of course. But this is a Sicilian-made man, mm -hmm. and just having some fun—that was the wrong answer. Okay. Yeah. So word got around to Richard that the Sicilian was looking for someone to make this guy suffer, and so mm. Richard made the guy suffer. But this time. He wanted to try something new. All right. See, Richard was also an avid hunter, and one day he'd come across a cave, a cave inhabited with hundreds upon hundreds of rats. Huh. So Richard got an idea. He abducted the playboy, took him to the cave, and restrained him to the point where he couldn't move. Then Richard wrapped wet rawhide strips around the playboy's arms, forehead, 
and testicles. Mm -hmm. Thing about rawhide <laughs> is that while it does loosen when it gets wet, it tends to draw up and get much tighter as it dries. Oh. So Richard's sitting there watching the guy beg and plead through the duct tape wrapped around his face as the rawhide squeezed his balls until they were, in Richard's words, tomato red. They weren't quite at Clifford red yet. <laughs> <laughs> he has a thing with... He's seen so many different kind of balls. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a connoisseur. So after a bit, the rats smelled a meal uh -oh. and came out one by one, nipping at the guy's skin. And this whole time, Richard was taking Polaroids as proof. And after Richard was satisfied, he left the playboy to his fate. And when Richard came back two days later, he said there was nothing left but a skeleton. And when Richard gave wow. the Polaroids to the Sicilian, Richard got a 10 grand bonus for a job well done. Now, Richard said he did this multiple times and would eventually start leaving a camera going so he could watch the process at his leisure. It's like creep show. Yeah. Crazy. And this is what he said about that. When I did that and I watched it on the devil was that super eight, I think it was. Uh, I found it uh, distasteful and it used to make me nervous for some reason. I said that was some type of uh, a feeling which I wasn't too keen on having. But I did it because it gave me a feeling of some kind, and therefore I was trying to find out what it was that was giving me some type of feeling. Whether it was the, the horror of what was going on, or the screaming that was happening, or just the nastiness of it. But I never figured it out. But I did that quite a few times, too. Maybe too many times. I mean, it's just the feeling is uh, the fact that he can't place the feeling is quite interesting. Yeah. The feeling is just like shouldn't have fed that guy to rats because <laughs> that's not a good thing to do. Also, what if he becomes the rat man and then he hunts me and he also has a pension for cheese? This is like horrifying. Yeah. And he went even further in his conversations with Carlo. This is what he said. I thought about going to see a psychiatrist, like seeing if I could get, you know. Some help, maybe some medication. But of course, I couldn't do that. I mean, what would I say to a shrink? I torture and kill people for money and I like my work? I don't think so. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to say. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, my. A bunch of Desi's over here. Um,. I would say that's a fine place to start. <laughs> if you go to the therapist, like maybe, yeah, let's start with that, all the torture and the murdering of people. Now, I can already hear all you skeptics out there giving the come-ons and the no-ways and such and such. Because yeah. after all, you know, you'd think someone would have found one of these videos or one of these Polaroids. You mean you, you hear the sound of someone furiously typing at their computer in their basement <laughs> of their family's house? Come on! Come on! Well, honestly, if you get into the world of mafia nerds, they're pretty touchy. Yeah. They, don't, they don't like the words of their mafia people sullied by other people's yes. so-called stories. They, they don't like their wonderful heroes to be sullied in any way whatsoever. I like a Tommy gun. <laughs> My name is also Tommy. So, in response to the skeptics, okay. I did a little research on rats. You did. In 1945, 
a researcher named C.P. Richter did a study called Incidents of Rat Bites and Rat Bite Fever in Baltimore. Okay. This was a study to see just how much rats really liked the flesh of humans. Hmm. In the course of this study, Richter gave a group of rats as much human blood as they could stand and found that the more blood the rats were given, the more they craved it. Really? He found they could ingest four times the amount of blood than they would normally eat in a day. So if a rat, mm. di- if a rat's a Buddhist, they're like, with any luck, I'll come back as a mosquito. <laughs> they're so happy with the blood. Well, his conclusion was that rats can develop a real craving for fresh human blood. Hey, all those other scientists, CP, love the work that you're doing. Um, we should just get back to bubblegum research because that's kind of what we're doing here at Bubblegum. <laughs> um, didn't really need to purchase all these rats or feed them blood. We actually have, I mean, Jerry has some more specific questions about where you got the blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and since Richard says that he used the same cave each time, it stands to follow that the rats developed a taste for human flesh. Wow. And since the brown rat, the most common rat species here in the Northeast, has a lifespan of about two years, as long as Richard didn't take a huge break from this myth- method, and it doesn't seem like he did, then there was always rats around who remembered the last meal. Oh, my. They must have been the size of like a nutria or something by the end of this thing. Huge. Big rats. Big ass rats. And he would go and he'd groom these rats, apparently. He'd go down to the cave and he'd throw meat down there to watch them swarm. And he'd laugh and Uh. chuckle because in a weird way, the rats were his friends. Yeah. (laughs) When you said groom, I I just pictured him like combing them, putting little ribbons in their hair. (laughs) But no, he's feeding them flesh. I get it. All right. So actually, if you're a rat, this is the place to be. Oh, yeah. You're beautiful. You little beautiful little woman, right? (laughs) If only you were not Italian. (laughs) Now, furthermore, concerning how much rats actually like human flesh, mm. rats were a huge problem on the killing fields of World War I. This is a quote from a soldier at the time. I saw some rats running from under the dead men's greatcoats. Enormous rats, fat with human flesh. My heart pounded as we edged towards one of the bodies. His helmet had rolled off. The man displayed a grimacing face, stripped of flesh, the skull bare, the eyes devoured. From a yawning mouth, leapt a rat. Wow. Yeah. I, that, that's, I just thought they liked pizza, because that video went viral on <laughs> pizza rat. But Kids no, it turns out they would have rather have Kids a human that's leg. So good. <laughs> that's it's so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so good. It's tearing up the internet. Uh, there were even numerous reports from World War I of men too injured to leave the field or even move being slowly eaten alive by rats. Could have done without that. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. And they started with the fleshy parts of the face. Oh. Now, there were never any men eaten down to the bone, but why would the rats eat everything when there were literally hundreds of other bodies with the best bits still waiting? Sure, mm-hmm. right. And then you got the other little bugs down there too, right? Mm-hmm. They were always in there eating the, eating the flesh. Got a bunch of bugs, yeah. Yeah, it's like the movie Bugs Life. Yeah, it's I like a that. Bugs Life if there was way more corpses in it. Yeah, I remember that scene. And in modern times, just a few years ago, a hospital in Washington D.C. was so overrun with rats that the corpses in the morgue were said by a former employee to have rats burrowing into their vaginas and anuses to get at the gooey insides. And of course, Ratatouille too. Yeah. <laughs> The name of that hospital was Gemini Hospital. <laughs> you didn't want to check out the showers. Good Lord. 
And so there is ample evidence that a rat has no qualms whatsoever about eating a person, living or dead. And while it does sound too cruel to be possible, again, just go take a couple more looks at the actual pictures of what the cartels do to people. There is absolutely no difference between them and people like Richard Kuklinski or Roy DeMeo. If the mob had ever gotten a foothold in the police and the military as strongly as the cartels did after the peso tanked, I can almost guarantee we would have seen heads on highway overpasses here as well. Crazy stuff. But according to what Richard said about what he did, he wasn't that far off. One time, there was a guy out in L.A. who owed Richard a $10,000 porno debt. That's a lot of money. Uh-huh. That's a lot of, that's a lot of porno bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so Richard traveled all the way out to L.A., and when the guy refused to pay, this is what Richard did. Richard said he showed up at the guy's shop with a frag grenade in his pocket, Jeez. and God knows where he got it yeah, from. No kidding. He got it from Roy DeMeo, because Roy, De- Roy DeMeo likes to show off his grenade collection. So that means that Richard Kuklinski took a frag grenade on an airplane? Yes, this is back in the day. Yeah. This, this is pre-9-11 <laughs> yeah. when it was fun to fly in planes. And he was to talk about how fun it was to be in business class, knowing that he was a contract killer and everybody else was a businessman, right. even though they probably also all were contract killers. <laughs> yeah. But Just look- it's fun that... Roy DeMeo used a grenade to kill Vinnie Mook, yeah. which is how he got made. Nice. Interesting. So he's just in business class looking at the cover of Megadeth, killing his my business, his business is good, <laughs> and just laughing while holding a grenade. And everyone's like, going to L.A., huh? You want to yeah, be an yeah, actor? yeah, I brought my New Jersey apple. <laughs> oh. So in L.A., after a generic criminal back and forth, Richard reached into his pocket, pulled the pen, and handed it to the guy. And when the guy asked what it was, Richard What's said... What's this? <laughs> what do you mean, what is what it? What is this? Richard said, it's a surprise. Oh, okay. Is he the fucking Joker? What is happening? And when the guy so, asked... What kind of surprise is he talking about here? Richard said, this one. And threw the grenade behind the counter before calmly walking out. Jeez. <laughs> surprise. It's like total recall. Yeah. 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 Another time in L.A., Richard said he tried something he'd seen in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Oh, my! honestly, cartoons. Maybe he should not be allowed to watch them. <laughs> Ban them. And this was a tactic he'd use again and again. Tell me he dresses up. <laughs> Tell me he dresses up like oh a female Oh, my God, as bunny. a sexy lady. Yeah, he dresses up as a sexy lady. He knocks on the door. He's like, housekeeping. <laughs> See, when someone's got a peephole in their door, uh. light shines through. So Richard figured once the light got blocked... That's when his target was at the door, and he was right. Mm -hmm. Richard's mark on this trip was a guy who refused to leave his apartment because he knew the mob was going to kill him if he did. (sighs) So Richard found out where the guy was and knocked on the door. When the guy came up to look through the peephole, Richard put the muzzle of the gun up to the hole and blew a hole right through the dude's eye. Jeez. Very clever. Very clever. Very clever. He was very clever. He's as clever as Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Bugs Bunny was super clever. I know. Super clever. Now, even though Richard was doing pretty well for himself, DeMeo's crew of killers were starting to to develop some pretty nasty coke habits. Ah. Okay. And the more coke they did, the more inventive and cruel they got. For example, one day, Richard was invited on a fishing trip on Roy DeMeo's new boat. Hey! And you know what happens when your boss invites you out? 
and then you have to go and like hang out and you have to be like with it even though like Richard did like fishing but I think what he most liked about fishing was being alone yeah right 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 do we know what the name of the boat was because it was very don't. creative yeah I'll bet they would it's probably been. the SS Spaghetti. you know what I mean <laughs> it's like one that. of those the ravioli raviolis asunder <laughs> Along for the ride were three members of the murder machine and a guy Richard didn't know named Bob. Hmm. When they were far enough off the coast, Uh DeMeo started chumming the waters. And eventually, the sharks showed up. Everyone was laughing and having a great time, but suddenly, DeMeo walked over to Bob, Uh his face dropped, and he said, I know. You're a fucking rat. And with that, DeMeo shot Bob in the face. But Bob didn't die. Because plenty of people get shot in the face and don't die. Oh, sure. sure. It happens every day. <laughs> Absolutely. You know um, what? It actually does happen every I, day. I know it does happen every day. <laughs> what was the name? What was the big old the Long Island family there? It starts uh, with a B there. The guy, the gal was shot by the by the woman that would, the guy was having an affair with. The wife was shot. Very famous story. In the Lorena ni- Bobbitt? No, that's the one who cut off the dong. Which, uh-huh. by the way, she's the Kuklinski of women. <laughs> Good Lord. No, you remember... Uh, Amy Fisher. Ah, Amy yeah. Fisher. Amy yeah. Fisher. Long Island Lolita. That's what they called her. <laughs> I remember being, um, oh man, she did a, a porno, I think. Yeah. Yes, she did. And yeah. so did Mr. Bobbitt. Yeah, Mr. But yeah, Frank and, oh, uh, yeah, wasn't yeah. it called Frank and Penis? Uh, something Frank like and that. Penis. Weird. I would imagine. <laughs> but as Bob lay screaming and bleeding on the deck of the boat, the other three killers scooped him up and threw him over the side. Did they make a pun about his name, Bob? Well, he's Bob and I, they probably did. But then and at some point, don't they look at each other and realize it's not funny? No. They, look at no. E- they looked at each other and laughed their asses off okay. watching the shark. Because the sharks would come up, take a nip. The whole time, this guy's screaming. There's blood shooting out of his face. Huh. And then finally, just one shark goes up, grabs him, pulls him under, and Bob don't come back up again. All right. And Richard... He said he had a fucking blast. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He said That's he, the most, and he never has fun. Yeah. And he said he appreciated the method of disposal. But pretty soon, Richard was going to come up with a method where he never had to worry about disposal ever again if he didn't want to. Richard was about to make friends with cyanide. And that is where <sighs> we'll pick back up for the conclusion of Richard Kuklinski. The conclusion. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's July 5th, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I can't be here. Awesome. All right. My God. Again, I'm going to say not a nice guy. Nope. There it is. No. Uh, but no. The, the sharks were fed. The rats were fat. I guess for those two animal kingdoms, it was a relatively good run. Mm-hmm. My God. Yes. Um, he yeah. is, uh, it, I mean, uh, absolutely frightening. We're parceling through. I don't think we're even going to touch upon the fact that he said that he killed Jimmy Hoffa. No. Which he didn't. I don't think he did. I think maybe he killed a guy that looked like Jimmy Hoffa. Well, yeah. But that's like the closest <laughs> yeah. to it. Everybody has a Jimmy Hoffa story. Yeah. There are so many mobsters with it. I heard one when I was a little kid where it was like my the my de facto older brother Roy was a guy that helped me he was he was connected to the mob and he was like I'll tell you a secret about Jimmy Hoffa they said they killed him they chopped him up and they fed him to a bunch wait, of dogs wait wait Ro- Roy DeMeo was your <laughs> was your buddy growing up <laughs> yes interesting very very frightening yeah uh, essentially you know, yeah Kuklinski said he went to Chicago they murdered Jimmy Hoffa they brought him back to uh, New Jersey they put him in a oil can like an oil drum, drum yeah. and then like crushed him into a car and then it got sent to Japan. But that is, oh really? Yeah, interesting. But that is the story that, that I've heard. They they say it's most likely he's just in a canister somewhere. Yeah, 
Of course, well, you know, the there's many side. stories. Yeah, there's many stories. He just shot and he was buried. There's the the one that he was he was put in the Meadowlands. Yeah. Oh yeah, a, the, you know, the like, giant stadium. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. there's that other theory that he was you know he was driving through Pennsylvania just looking for a nice weekend and he ended up getting nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble. <laughs> <laughs> down to five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. How is it going down? Come on, I don't know. <laughs> because we keep. Giving attention to this movie yeah. and people keep watching it and they keep hating it. They are blaming they don't us. Like it. <laughs> you know, blame Dan Eckroyd if anything. Also, just get in the right headspace and that is one of the funniest. Bobo is so lovable. Bobo is so lovable. So but, lovable. But speaking of nothing but trouble, we're on the nothing but trouble tour right oh. now. Uh, we're going to be coming to coming to Phoenix next week, and we also added a show uh, to our West Coast trip. We're going to be in Santa Ana on August eighteenth. Uh, we're going to yes. be down in Orange County. The uh, tickets are on sale for that. Great. So uh, just go to our website, follow the links, or just Google Last Podcast on the left, Santa Ana, and, uh, and uh, we will see you all there. And in more important news, August 19th is SummerSlam. Marcus, you're formally invited. Thank you. Uh, Henry, if you're in town as well, you're formally invited. You guys can hold my Universal Championship belt. <laughs> if you don't come and you could come, that's a slight, but we're not yes. going to because you didn't it's, show up to WrestleMania. It's going to be a long flight. From Santa Ana all the way back to New York City. And you got a lot to think about. The Constable Baron Corbin's going to be wrestling. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So All I know is I'm driving to Phoenix from L.A., which I've never done before, and I'm excited for the desert drive alone. Ooh. It should be beautiful. Yeah. Ooh, I can't you should wait. listen to a Horse With No Name the entire time. Oh, my God. on a horse with no name. It's good to be out of the ring. love America. Do not remember your name because there ain't no one to remember Love that song. It's <laughs> a great song. Bread, the whole thing, man. Oh, yeah, man. That was America. Um, I know. That was America. I uh -huh. said I love America, the band. Ah. But also there's a band called Bread. Bread's pretty good, too. Yeah, Bread's fun. It's in the same wheelhouse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Bread is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I... Would like to thank people giving to our Patreon? Of course. Yes. Thank you very much. If you'd like to uh, give to our Patreon, get a bunch of bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash left. Yep, we got a fun interview lined up here for the very near future that I think you'll enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, next Twick. Um, I guess you can follow us on social media. Who gives a shit? Who cares? Well, I got my Insta stories um, on Instagram, at BenKissel1. If you want to check out my new Puffin dog, mm -hmm. he's adorable. And, and if I've you want to check out my new Georgie dog on then, Instagram. And then we got the old Wendy there. She is my stable dog. We're coming up on a year wow. of having her. How oh, old is Wendy, close. by the way? We don't know. According to the, we did the doggy DNA thing for her, and health-wise, she is akin to a 32-year-old human. Okay. But it depends on what kind of human. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> I'm doing better. Like, But other people I know are still monsters. So Yeah, yeah. No, Hopefully, she's a healthy 32-year-old human. Let's hope yeah, so. Yeah, Puffin's around the same age, and mm -hmm. I think uh, so is uh, so is Georgie. No, Georgie's uh, not quite two. Okay, not yeah. quite two. So yeah. she's only 14 years um, old in human years. Yeah, little pup. I and follow, uh, just follow last podcast left on whatever you want to follow at, at LP on the left. Yes. And thanks for whoever created that little dog. Uh, that dog design was funny. Maybe oh. we can make that as a shirt. I'm not sure how all that the, works. The last podcast. I love a podcast. <laughs> I love it. It's quite beautiful. I yes. love it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening as always. Mm -hmm. And I, go I listen to all I, the other shows the, on lastpodcastnetwork.com. Is, is Casey Anthony here? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You're nice. Are you a DJ? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Elgin. Hail me. Magustalations. My thighs are sore from using a leg machine. Well, you are going to look so good for that wedding. 
Yeah, my ass is gonna be so fucking pert for that wedding. <laughs> You're gonna be like, oh man, I want to put sushi on top of that stank ass. That <laughs> oh, and uh, one more thing. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, uh, ad-free episodes are no longer on Stitcher Premium, mm. uh, but you can still listen to ad-free episodes uh, over on our Patreon. Yeah, so please do that. Sign up ad-free apps. Uh-huh. Oh, and uh, one other thing, we've seen uh, a lot of people talking about the press release. Ooh, there's a song about people talking. <laughs> Remember that one? I like that song. I love it. Harry Nelson. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't call me that. <laughs> yeah, Harry Nelson. <laughs> Sounds like a slanderous term. Uh, but yeah, we uh, are uh, going to the roost, uh, the Rooster Teeth Network, but just for ads. Yeah, just for ads. Nothing changes, guys. Yeah. The product is the exact same. I promise you. We couldn't tame Henry if we tried <laughs> with a bullwhip there's no there's nothing changes no. because honestly we can't change no we absolutely uh, so. cannot no nothing's gonna change and we're not leaving yeah. last podcast network no, or anything no. like that i mean everything's gonna st- stay the exact same way uh yes. we're still gonna be an independent voice uh yeah not, nothing's gonna change it's just a nothing at it's all. a new ad agency the only thing that changes is if you're blue apron that's it. That's pretty much it. That's it. Yeah, and even if we, you know, did go over to the roofs, like nothing would change anyway. No, they're cool guys, man. Yeah. So they yeah. bought me drinks. They're in for life. <laughs> the way to Ben Kissel's heart is through his liver. Come on, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So not a not a damn thing's gonna change. So promise. Uh, yeah, yeah. Promise. Promise and promise. Hail yourselves. Have some fun. See the sun. See the sun. Why not? Have some fun. See the sun. That's a I like it because it rhymes. <laughs> and it's a good message. Goodbye, one. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast listen every monday wherever you get your podcasts i was shocked you know they were always such a good team so successful but to do something like that to exceed their budget while being over budget might not be a crime it can disrupt workflows with monday.com you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to monday.com.